0: I remember when I wanted to start my business, I called my dad excited. I'd made this decision. I'm literally on the metaphorical diving board. I'm about to jump into the stratosphere of, I don't know, but I think I want to go there. And 12 times in that conversation, he told me to get a real job. Come on. And, and so, and I share that story a lot now and I share it from stages when I speak to entrepreneurs because my dad wasn't supposed to be my cheerleader in that moment. His job in that moment was to keep me safe. I mean, I'm a dad now, I have two amazing daughters, I want them to be safe, I want them in bubble wrap all the time, that's not right for them, going through difficult times is a part of the journey. So he was literally trying to like keep me in the bubble wrap and telling me not to do it because he had never taken that jump, he had never even gone to the edge of the diving board, he didn't even know that the diving board existed.
1: Welcome, welcome! It's David Chanelli here. This is DC Talks podcast. We got a special guest with us today for episode fifty-eight. One, yep. <laughs> so I keep screwing that up. I don't know why. That's <laughs> the number fifty-eight, man. I'm,
0: I'm trying to think of what is was fifty-eight. What number? I'm, I'm trying to find something that correlates with some like extravagant, <laughs> yeah. uh, meaningful thing, but I can't no. come up with any. That. Hockey
1: players number fifty-eight.
0: I'm thinking David Chance was a goalie. He played for Mississauga Ice Dogs back in the day. He's fifty-eight, the day, yeah. but I can't think yeah. of any of their fifty-eights. Well, before wasn't, it, wasn't Michael Bunting fifty-eight. I think.
1: Oh God, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. I don't remember yeah, maybe yeah. yeah. So with me today for episode fifty-eight is Dan Blackburn. Thanks, Dan, for coming.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. It's totally stoked to be here. Yeah.
1: So for those who don't know who Dan, you got to follow him on Instagram. First of all, we're gonna tag you on these on these clips as well. Um, so you're the founder of NTC. You're an author. You're a coach. You're a motivator. I actually love your motivational stuff. I love, that, <laughs> just, yeah, uh, yeah. I love it. Well, one day we walked. Was, was it in COVID? We yeah, were walking. Yeah, and we York, saw
0: each other in yeah, Sherway. Yeah, I think it was at York the other Sunday or something. Oh, it. It oh, Sherway. Was that Sherway? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, the
1: new part. And we just saw each other. And was like. Yeah, we hadn't met each other in person. It was yeah, like, yeah. we like, instantly knew each other. We were <laughs> like gravitating. So thanks, Dan. Thanks for coming.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, I totally love what you do. And again, like like you say about me, I've been following you for a while and I like the, the content and your your way of thinking. I don't always agree with everything you say, but I love the fact, but what I do agree with is your willingness to put it out there. Yeah. And I think we're all entitled to our opinions yeah. and and uh, yeah, it's important that we can have platforms like this to say what we have to say.
1: Well, the thing I've always said on the show is like, we, you're not supposed to agree with everything I said. Like you're an individual thinker. Mm-hmm. We're never going to be 100% on the same page for everything. Right. And that makes good dialogue, right. right? Absolutely. And sometimes we'll say stuff is like, hey, I may not always agree with just to yeah, throw yeah. it out there.
0: <laughs> well, as, long, as long as you, you know, in, in, in based on what's happening now in in the the in the, uh, in the media. As long as you don't freeze my bank account, if we don't agree with something, then we're you know we're golden. Right? And if so, we'll go to court, and I'll probably win anyways. And and there come you back go. Looking for you, so, yeah. But yeah. then, I'll, but then, then you refuse to answer any questions. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, talk a little bit about NTC. What is NTC? What is it? And uh, and how so did national, you start? Yeah. So NTC Hockey, I founded it in
0: 1998. Um, a little bit of background of me is so growing up, I had two amazing parents. Mom, super present, engaged like there, 24, seven primary residence, primary parent. Um, my dad struggled with alcoholism for a long time. I held that against it. You know, now as I matured, I realized that, you know, it's, it's addiction is a disease. Um, I believe that like cancer, it's, it affects people in a way that, that controls and, and really, you know, dictates the direction of their life. And so I had a dad who really struggled. But through that, I had this oscillation of, well, I really want to do this, but I don't know if I can. And so my confidence was down. And I really questioned if I had the tools and resources within me to do what my gut and my brain was telling me I could possibly do. So I'm here living in Toronto. Uh, but you 20. did you grow up in Toronto. You I grew up that's Montreal. That's right, Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Go, go, Habs, go. Uh, <laughs> any of those Hab fans, you know, you know, you know who you are. Um, and so, so I started coaching minor hockey. Because I loved the game. Uh, I played the game for a long time. And I just wanted to be a young voice. But what I realized early on was that the one thing I was bringing to the table is I was going to be a stand for the players the way that my dad hadn't been for me. And so if that meant a 5 o'clock a.m. practice, if that meant you know 9 at night, if that meant going away on a weekend for a tournament and not doing what I you know, want to do with my friends as a 20-something-year-old, then I was signed up. I'm all in and so during that journey i started to recognize opportunities in the business spectrum and i saw gaps and i thought maybe training hockey players i was bodybuilding at the time i loved being in the gym and i thought let me try this but then here's the dilemma nobody was doing it and so i remember thinking at the time either this is a crazy idea and it's going to crash and burn or no one's doing it yet or they're just not doing it my way right and so i went with the latter and figured I would, you know, crank up the heat and put myself in the in the hot seat and see what happened. And in a very short period of time, players love doing the the dry land training. They love the work. I outgrew the space that I was in and then moved to the facility we're at now in Northern Etobicoke and and just started helping hockey players trust in their, their own selves, get a little stronger, a little faster, a little more powerful. They'd come back, oh my God, I feel so good on the ice. It's like, oh, I guess what I thought about doing is actually working. So I literally just continued to scale and here we are, whatever it is, 26 years later. I was going
1: to say, when did it start? Like 26 yeah, 98, years? Yeah,
0: 1998, 1998. Wow. Yeah. And, and I will say this, that I, you know, my dad passed about 10 years ago. Um, and when he passed, I had really gotten to a point that I had forgiven him. And I'd recognized that, you know, the things that I used to uh, resent him for were not, you know, were some of those things were outside of his control. But I remember when I wanted to start my business, I called my dad excited. I'd made this decision. I'm literally on the metaphorical diving board. I'm about to jump into the stratosphere of, I don't know, but I think I want to go there. And 12 times in that conversation, he told me to get a real job. Come on. And, and so, and I share that story a lot now. And I share it from stages when I speak to entrepreneurs because my dad wasn't supposed to be my cheerleader in that moment. His job in that moment was to keep me safe. I mean, I'm a dad now I have two amazing daughters. I want them to be safe. I want them in bubble wrap all the time. I know through a healthy perspective that that's not right for them, that right. scraping their knees and going through difficult times is a part of the journey. My dad didn't have those tools. So he was literally trying to like keep me in the bubble wrap and telling me not to do it because he had never taken that jump. He had never even gone to the edge of the diving board. He didn't even know that the diving board existed. And so... I remember in that time thinking, wow, I really am alone. Again, mom was supportive and I have a great brother, but none of them had been the entrepreneurs. So I was literally on a diving board all alone with like no parachute, no soft landing pad, um, and I just you know and I just went forward and, and
1: here we are it, it's funny you say that too it's like my dad was the opposite we've talked about it before We're, I remember I got a job at in Toronto Hydro and he's like what the fuck are you doing he goes you know I didn't like, I didn't raise you to do this like you have an entrepreneurial spirit I was like you're crazy you sent me to do my MBA and all this other stuff too what would you think was going to happen <laughs> so it was funny the opposite right but the one thing that hit home was like well, well technically when I failed I got let go from a job I didn't care about I was hallelujah. watching hallelujah yeah. it was the best thing in the world for me and I, I always encourage people there if you get let go from a job it's a blessing there's that means God's opening a door for you there's other paths for you to do like there's something better for you on mm-hmm. the other side so it's like great it was a good experience learn from it and move on not everybody can do that but I always remember what Jim Carrey did you ever see him do that He got his PhD and all, mm-hmm. PhD yeah, he yeah. talks about how his yeah. dad and I always resonated that with me so in case you know that if you've googled this Jim Carrey talks about a congregational speech and what he's talking about he's like you know, my dad was always scared. He was scared for me to do this and stuff too. He goes, but he had a job as an accountant, which he hated, but it was a safe job. And he goes, after 25 years, he got let go. And then he had no foundation mm-hmm. to do anything else. He he failed at something he didn't even love to do. Right. He goes, at least, and now you're doing something you'd love to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something I love to do. And like, and you could flourish. Mm-hmm. So I think the mentality, I think like a lot of us, even as parents, like I, I sometimes too want to put the bubble wrap in my kids, but I think my wife and I are both entrepreneurs. Uh, entrepreneurs and were like. I don't know what my kids want to do, and people look at me it, crazy. I'm like, "What do you mean? Like, I don't even know if I want my daughters to go to university." I'm like, "Well, you have two degrees, so why don't your kids want to go to university?" I'm like, "Are my degrees helping me now? Somewhat, yeah, but if they want to do something else and what you're passionate about, again, again, if they're making like you know paper airplanes for a living, that's that's a different like right. have, you know, that's a different story. But I, I love that the fact that like you actually had that position too, where they're too like saying you shouldn't do this and you did it anyway, and you're full yeah. yeah,
0: it's funny. Like I don't know. I don't know a a moment in time like on my continuum as a young boy to to you know 1998 mm. where I gained that entrepreneurial spirit. I do remember as a young kid I started a baseball league and and I don't it wasn't because I wasn't included in the league it was just we had a group of friends and we used to kind of play pickup ball and then there were a group of other friends and it was sort of like this sort of pickup ball but a little bit organized and I I just ran with it and we built four teams and we had an all-star game and we would go door to door asking people to donate. This is back when, uh, when your bottle of pop, you could take to the store and you'd get like five cents back. Yeah, cents back. So we, we came up with these ways to fundraise and we bought equipment. And like I said, the all-star game, I built a schedule. And so when I think back to some of those times, you know, as a 13 or 14 year old, you know, building a baseball league that didn't really need to be built, but I just wanted something more formal. Right. I wanted us to have uniforms and names and, and yeah. And so it was, it was just something. So I think, yeah, I think I've always had that little spark in me Yeah, uh, to, do, I love it. yeah to do things
1: outside of the outside of the realm or outside of the typical box. Hmm. You're very highly motivated, right? Like, and I love your, like we talked about before, like when you're, when you're doing your walks and you have these motivational things and the things you're saying <laughs> to people, I'm like, I always resonate well with you in that. What, what was the onset for you to start, like obviously with your, your childhood break, like, sorry, uh, you're brought up with two different types of parents. Where does the motivation come from? Were you, were you always motivated behind that too? Or is it something because of the hockey that got it motivated and that you're able to pass on your motivation to other people?
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. This opens up, I think, a, a, a big, big dialogue. So I didn't know it, but number one, led by God. So I know now that the challenges I went through as a young boy, without a dad being present, um, a dad that was struggling, me trying to fit into the alcoholic family, which which anybody that knows, you know, anybody that's going through the alcoholic family, everybody's affected. Everybody's sick. My mom was so upset about three four years ago. I posted on social about you know what it was like growing up in an alcoholic family, and she was upset because from her context she thought I was saying that she was an alcoholic too. And, and what I've learned is like the alcoholic affects everything. It's like throwing a stone, a big ass stone into, into a, a calm pool of water. The ripple effects, they go to the edge of the pool. And so I happened to be at the edge of the pool as, as we all were as family members. So this, the challenges I went through, the lack of confidence, questioning myself, Like afraid to step out, like really step out of my comfort zone as a kid, trying to find a way to fit in, sometimes being mean to other, other kids, because at least I got a laugh. And if I was laughing at you and we're laughing at you, then you weren't laughing at me. Like that, all of that crazy, insecure dynamic, that's what I grew up through. And so when I came old enough to start like grab myself by the scruff of the neck, not in, in, uh, when I was 27, I made a decision that I was going to make this shift. And I started a program for me. And, and so this, this is the neat. So Tony Robbins, I listened to him. I listened, you know, I bought all the tapes and they were good, but they didn't, they didn't hit the button. They didn't hit that nerve that I needed to be, to be touching. So I built my own program called mm-hmm. the Pillars of Greatness. And so to me, that was, it's, it's God-led. It's like, I know all of the experiences I had, the pain, the anguish, the difficulty, the joys, the celebrations, the failures, All of that was tuning me in to what I needed to do to serve the world. And and I couldn't serve without the empathy and the experience of what I went through. So it sucked at the time as a young 16 year old, not knowing if anybody liked me um, and afraid of my own shadow emotionally, mentally. um, But it got me to this place. And when I embraced that, I was like, oh, this is how I'm going to move forward. This is the message of God. And so I was being honed my skills, my experiences. And I just saw a homeless man on the way here today. And his sign said, hard times, if you could donate something, something other. And I had a $5 bill in my pocket and I don't carry a lot of cash on me. And this $5 bill was getting twisted on my money clip in the last two weeks. And I'm like, I should just leave this at home. And I saw him and I'm like, this is for him. So I gave him the $5 and and what I saw on the hard, which totally resonates to me and back to the story, is the hard times were given to me because I was strong enough to handle them. And if I didn't have the strength, I wouldn't have been able to come through it. And God knew that. And so I was was this custodian of his message, but I could only graduate, talk about school, um, I could only graduate once I came through that pain. And so now when I share, when I communicate, when I have a message, I, I, I pray. And even when, you know, coming to do this today, it's like whatever message you need me to put out, whatever message someone listening or hearing, watching this, what they need to hear, I will be the conduit for that. And and I'll put that message out. So everything you see on my Instagram, everything I do in the hockey world, everything I do with athletes is literally comes through that, comes through that passageway. And, And there was a time when I used to question it. But the cool thing is the lack of confidence is completely replaced with this knowing that I'm, well, I never was, but I never am doing this alone. I literally have some badass dude beside me who's like, bro, I'm paving this road for you. Just walk along it. You've got the tools within you. Go nuts.
1: Well, it's funny you say that because like we grew up. Like my my oldest brother's handicapped, right, mm. so uh it was just funny we were saying that because a lot of things you experienced too, not the alcoholism, but it was like we had a handicapped family you know right it was just it was weird because there' certain times we could have people come over the home and it was just it was very different, so I can kind of like when you're talking about those stuff and how you felt as a person like not getting out of the comfort zone mm. very similar it's funny like how that works, obviously in different situations is right too, but it's like I think that's why you resonate with like really well with people it's because you went through these hardships and we can kind of like, I can see that. Like I can see myself in you. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, even though you had, I'm not saying we're we're easier. It was different. It was just, I think that's why you resonate so well. with
0: people. Yeah. I think like the pain, the challenge, the struggle, mine looked like mine looked like, and I was in a different province and Mm. different family members and yours was what yours was. And I say this to parents and players, hockey players all the time. You know, you hear the adage where someone will say, um, Oh, you know, you don't, I know you're going through a hard time but you know how bad they have it yeah, yeah. right and 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 I I say like but talk about minimizing my experience right the only thing I need and 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 to parents listening what your kids need is is just to be seen for the experience they're having and the feelings they're having sometimes I don't as as a dad and as a coach I don't need to do anything other than just be there and be like I get it like what you're going through totally sucks and maybe the guy down the street maybe he does have it worse. I don't know, whatever, whatever worse is on, on that defining line. Right. But, but for me, it's like what you're going through, if it sucks, it's like, I want to stand with you and be like, A, you're not doing it alone. And B, there's a way that you can get through this and, and totally recognize that the pain you're feeling is true for you. Yeah. And end of story. And then I'm over here at some other time in the, in the future, I'm going to go through my stuff and mine isn't any less or more than yours. It just is what it is. And it's real for me.
1: Yeah. Well, I find that too. Like, I guess I, I never thought of it that way. Like, it's almost like you're minimizing somebody too. And mm-hmm. It's like, and like, and like, well, mm-hmm. they've had the courage to express how they feel about themselves. And you're just like, yeah, that's nice. But you're looking like, look at this person. You right. Know? Yeah. yeah.
0: We're in this whole space of, of, of mental health, which you know, I'm glad we talk about it more, especially as men, right? The whole story of like, mm-hmm. just keep it inside. But, you know, I, I shared with someone a while ago. They said, so, okay, I, I fell and, you know, twisted my ankle. And so I'm in real pain. And the, but then someone says, oh, yeah, but it's not that bad because that guy down the road, he broke his leg. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but, but then you go to him and then someone else is like, oh, you broke your leg. That's not that bad. That guy over there had his leg amputated. Yeah. And the other guy's like, well, that's not that bad. I've had both legs amputated. It's like, wh- like, it never ends. But the truth is each one of those people is going through real pain, physical, emotional, mental. Mm-hmm and 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 it's real and so let's let's go into the real and hold a space for them to share it to get through it to support them so that they can Package it up, figure out what to do with it and move
1: forward. But do you find there's a fine line between, like, so for example, my brother had back surgery and he's still kind of struggling and stuff too. We're trying to encourage him saying, yeah, you look, but you're, look, you're able to do this. And do yeah, it. we're trying to not minimizing it, but trying to encourage him. Mm-hmm. So I think, do, you, do we find that maybe that's what the people is doing instead of saying, oh, you don't have that bad. So that person broke his leg. You've only sprained it. So you're better off. Or is it, because i guess you could take in the other way you're minimizing is it a fine line between the two of them yeah i think i think
0: it's a fine line the way i'm looking at it and describing it, it's more in that context of you know oh you know you i'll give you something to cry about like what yeah. you what you're what you're going through is like whatever but dude it's not that bad mm-hmm. right and it's like oh okay well what a, what a, what a horrible way to teach me to deal with the pain or the difficulty or the challenge that i'm going through
1: right so have you found like with your clients at this uh at, so your, your athletes at ntc yeah Did you find that some of them were lacking, like, is it giving them confidence in themselves just by your motivation and saying, do do you have to pull a lot of them up or, or, and have you seen the progression of them once they embrace who they are?
0: Yeah, I think it's number one, helping build it, show it. So I I say to to players and families all the time, we all have greatness in us. When we took our first breath when we were born, when the doctor slapped us on the behind, we took a big breath. Now we're alive. And with that breath came our innate right to greatness. And so it's in all of us. Now, how do you touch it? Like, how do you own it? Like, to see it. When I was 16, tell me that I could go and do this thing. I didn't dare do that because I didn't even begin to believe that I had greatness within me. Hmm. I thought I was broken. So that's the first piece is showing people that, yes, you do have greatness. In and you. how do you do that? How do you show them? Well, we have a, through the pillars of greatness, we have a program where, where we call it the next level principle is our first step. And we talk about accountability. It's like, what, what do I accept about myself? The truths, the good, the bad, the ugly. Like, let me just put it all on the table. And that's a real courageous act for someone to do for a young hockey player who wants to get better. They're like, oh no, make me stronger. Like, I got to shoot the puck harder. I got to make better saves. Okay. Those things are important, but it's the guy or the girl, it's the person inside that is going to dictate how you do that, if you do it and how well you do it. Right. So let's get you, let's, let's accountability. Boom, put it on the table. Then participate. Once I know, once I acknowledge that I have greatness, might be shy about it, too much, too bright. I don't want the world to see that. Oh my God, that's going to make me super vulnerable because imagine if I did that and I fail. Oh my God, I feel horrible. I'd rather just stay over here quiet. So then we teach them how to participate. How do you show up in the world with your greatness? PK Subban is a great example. When I started working with him when he was eight years old, he was as flamboyant then as you see him now. And that's his gift. See, he was courageous to to, to walk at the same time I was training John Tavares. Totally different person. John is super confident in himself. He was always the youngest kid in the group, but different demeanor than PK. PK was the lot. PK used to at our facility at Westwood Arena. We've, we've, we've had a few iterations at at, at Westwood, but we were at the time we were in the main lobby, glass windows. I remember that. Yeah. 12, 13 feet high ceilings and, you know, 65 feet across. And for contrast, I had some parents ask us if we could install blinds because their little Johnny or Joni felt a little intimidated when they were working out and people were watching. PK, on the other hand, would turn his bike around and Monday night was the busiest night at Westwood <laughs> Arena. It was the home night for the AAA Young Nats and their, the opposing teams, the lobby was swarming with people and pk would turn his bike around so he was facing out to the crowd and he would ride that bike he would ride it harder and longer than any other time than if the lobby was empty mm-hmm. and so he for him the the community the group the spotlight that fueled him yeah and so helping players see what the greatness is and then how do you walk out in the world with that greatness not just at the rink but how do you walk out in the world with it And then lastly, how are you going to use, and so sometimes players are, they're not really sure. So then we move them to contribution. How does your contribution with your greatness support, change, grow, evolve the environments that you're in, your family, your closest friends, your hockey team, your classroom, wherever you spend time,
1: Mm.
0: how would my greatness, if I truly showed up with this package of greatness and I put it out on the table, and I let everybody else dig in and have a piece with it and nourish them, how would it change and grow that community? And so when, when players start to see that, and as hockey players, we're hardwired. You know, the old story like, I play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name in the right. back. I think it's both. I have, to, I have to have so much faith in my greatness, in Blackburn, in order to be able to bring all of me to Team X, Team Y, whatever it happens to be. And so… When players can see the continuum at somewhere in that carousel, the light goes on and they're like, oh my God, you mean if I did uh, that, well, number one, I have uh, in me. Yeah, you do. Well, you just said you did. Oh yeah, I, I do. Yeah, but I don't want to show it to the world. Okay. But imagine if you did and uh, would change that, it could help Johnny and Joni and Bob and Steve could help the team and, and whatever that happens to be like your greatness could be the greatest playlist." You could, you could put together the greatest environment behind the scenes that helps that team flourish. We all have a part. We don't always have to be the game-winning goal scorer, or the, the goalie making the save in triple overtime that guarantees the win at the other end of the building. So what is the gift? What is the greatness? Are you walking it with it in the world? And how is that gift going to change? And so once we s- show players that, now they can start to use that as a tool to like call that layer one. And then now once they're in the habit of, of touching and owning and sharing the greatness, Mm. it just becomes a continuum. And every successful hockey player that we work with PK Subban, the last time he was in training was just the summer before COVID. So 2019. Um, And he said, Dan, my most powerful asset is my self-belief and every player that I've helped achieve their self-belief is their number one asset. And that all comes, that's all rooted in their greatness. If I can't believe that I'm great and I can't bring that to the world and I can't let everybody feast on it, there's no way I'm going to believe in myself.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, got, like, so, and you have that, like, I know you're an author. Is, is that something you put in your books or like? like- yeah. Yeah. So we, I have a
0: whole program, The Pillars of Greatness. Yeah. Uh, some of it's online. Uh, I do a lot in person. There's, a, you know, there's a whole playbook. We we call it the manual. We have players do the morning game sheets every day. It's it's a ritual. It's a process to just continue to stay clear on the greatness and the focus on where where do I want to take this greatness, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times people end up taking their greatness to the wrong place, right? And so when we do this, and here's the cool thing, every player will tell you, and this is probably true for business, is that when we're scaling, when we're growing, we want to get to the next level. And to me, that's such a vanilla that's so opaque. Like the next level, what I want to help you do is get to your next level. Like we can get super clear, super defined. You and I were just talking about Porsches and being in the Porsche Club before we jumped on air. Yeah. It's like I can be very clear on what I want that next Porsche to look like. Oh, I want a Porsche. Well, are you kidding? Like we, we could, we could like imagine. Imagine, hey, I want to pour, that's like a never-ending merry-go-round. But if I can identify specifically what I want it to look like, it's the clarity, that's going to be the polarity that's going to pull me in. And so when we help players get super clear on it, it comes to a daily practice. And so there's, like I said, a morning game sheet where players are able to to chart that out and and stay crystal clear
1: on it every day. You touched on a little bit about parents and uh, like, again, affecting their kids. Well, can you? just the blind stuff is just that I can see that when I was coaching as well. How are they affecting the game these days? Yeah. This, 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 we could,
0: it, this could be like podcast 59. Um, look, I, I, I say like to me that this is so simple. It's so clear is, is, and where parents get messed up is in all the emotional stuff of it. Right. Our goal as parents, our number one job is to build confident kids. Mm-hmm. And parents will say to me often, like, "Oh, you know, we my kids not, you know, kids aren't resilient nowadays." Well, how can a nine or eleven or seventeen year old build build resilience when mom and dad are li- are doing all the heavy lifting for them? And by heavy lifting, it might be giving them a free pass. Maybe dad, mummy, family is wealthy, and they're going to contribute to the team or buy the team, or they're going to have some kind of collateral that's going to leverage their son or daughter into a position, like like. If, if a parent to the dads and moms, if you're buying your kid a spot on the team, what you are telling them directly, because cause I've been through this, I've sat down with the kids, I've I've been with the players with the tears, what you're telling them is you don't think that they can do it on their own, mm-hmm. and and that is a staggering statement to make, and so build confident kids, let them scrape their knees. Let them like allow the process that's out there in the world to to sometimes it's not going to go great. Some days are going to like really suck. That's okay. Back to the piece. You recognize your son or daughter's in pain. Support them in that process. Don't try and pave the road for them or cut the lawn that they need to be cutting. Allow them to go through the process so that they're able to build strength in what they do. And so, yes, again, it's a bigger discussion. But build confident kids. Yeah. And 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 the simple way, I say to parents all the time, ask your kids, how confident are you? Like have that. And if if your son or daughter can't open up and have that conversation, that's a telltale sign mm. that that they, they don't they don't want to tell you what's really going on. So how can you help them build their confidence? Is allowing them to chart the course, to be part of the process and to have them go out there and experience whatever they experience. Make it hip hip hooray. Mm. Didn't make it. Hip, hip, hooray. Here's another opportunity to learn to gravitate towards something different, but help build confident kids.
1: Yeah. How do you know what you leave like if you never tried something? I always say that if you ever fail at it. And, like, you know, like I think even my kids sometimes have an issue It's like when they try it, because my wife used to be in the position where she was like an athlete and everything as well. But I would always tell her to try something. And she's like, well, she didn't want to fail. And I was like, well, what, what lesson are you teaching your kids? Just try it, right? right? Just try it. And it was one of those things. So I sometimes see that in the kids. I'm like, no, try it. So I had one daughter who tries everything. And the other one who's kind of more reserved. We're trying to push her a little bit. And the funny thing, the more reserved one, we she was applying for school this year, uh, for art schools. Mm. And we're like, her grades aren't great. So Natalie and I were talking, we're like, okay, so she's going to not get into the school because of her grades. are just going to teach her to motivate her Fucking chick got into both classes. Both schools are like, <laughs> like, like it was funny because that's the one time we actually wanted her, like, obviously, you want your kids to do well, but it was one of those situations we were trying to instill on her, like, your school is great. She's an amazing artist, an amazing artist. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with her, she kind of lacks her focus when it comes to school. Like, in the middle of a test, she'll draw. So, draw this amazing art form, like so handed a test. I'm like, you didn't answer half the questions, <laughs> which are artists fantastic. Yeah, but that's like I drew that. <laughs> but that's the thing. We were trying to explain it. But and then now she's actually trying. She's actually getting to be a good student again. But we had to push that in her. And we're mm-hmm. saying basically, we, but so now we had to instill something else. It's like, well, you'll fail a different way. Sure, you got into the school, but it's like, but if you don't get the grades, we're not going to let you get into the school. Absolutely. Right. And that's an or you'll fail out. So, we're trying to explain it. But it's funny how we also have other friends, helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. That these kids cannot do anything on their own. Right. And you hear about, it. I've said this before in the podcast, we actually had people like, we were at the basketball game the other day. My wife and I were in a box with RBC and she had a review of one of her, so they one the heads up in RBC, had a review with her, uh, with one of her, I guess her employees. His mom works at RBC. She sat down in the employee review with him wow. at RBC at that level. The kid's like 27 years old. Could you imagine like in hockey, we'd be like, I don't know I want to yeah. say his culture still, I'm hoping has changed. I sort of hasn't changed in this kind of sense. Like parents get the hell out of the dressing room. This is I'm the coach. This is how it's gonna be and lay the lot. Is it mm-hmm. still kind of that way? Or do you find more of them trying to interject their feelings? Yeah, on I think the- I
0: think the helicopter parent thing is is still real. I think it's it's still evident. But I think that there's you know, kids, coaches, you know, there there is a, a division, a separation, you know, kind of nine, ten years of age. It's like mom, dad, drop your kids off and sure. let us let us do the thing, right? But, but again, it's, it's, it's the one thing that most parents struggle with is when the kids are going through a difficult time and, and like, and it pains me too when I see either or or one of my girls going through some difficult times. Like I, I want, like I said before, the whole bubble wrap thing, but I also know I have the discipline to know, like, here's a teachable moment. And so I'm, I'm, I allow myself to just let them fester and know that I'm here and we can have dialogue and we can work through it. And the, the, the kids that are most successful at this game is they develop a, a network of people that they can lean on. And that's the thing with parents is sometimes you, mom, dad, don't have to be and won't be the solution spot for Johnny or Joni. And that's beautiful. Like back to the pillars of greatness, we teach about building a legendary army. I mean, you know it in business that we don't do it alone. Yeah. And so- I have a very rigid, very strong army of people around me. And I tell players all the time, get five people that you trust, that you can lean on, that, that have what you want. Like they're already there. They know how they got there. And the key thing is they're willing to be your guide to teach you. And, you know, and so oftentimes I'll say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, if I want to learn money and wealth advice, don't go to the guy or girl that won a $10 million lottery because, because I mean, hooray for them, but that's
1: not a teachable thing. Did you watch my video last week? Exactly. exactly. Oh, I, talk, I, exactly talk, <laughs> I said this in my, like, as I do, like, my channely chats, and it was one of those things I'm like, don't just go up to somebody and ask them for a job if you like what they've done before. Sit down and talk to them. Yes. How did you get to this position? Sure, you can obviously ask for a job and sit there and learn from them, Right, but- it's not just like, oh, you're doing so well. Can I get a job get a little, can I just eat off the crumbs off your floor? I'm like, no, learn from the person if you want to be there. And sometimes not even getting a job, working for there for free and mm-hmm. seeing how they do things. 100%. It's worth even more than just getting a paycheck. 100%. So it's exactly what I talked about. Don't and again, it's not at a point that you know, it's always good to looking up to somebody, but it's like not envying them, but in the kind of sense, like, don't be bitter. I've seen people bitter come up like, like Oh, you got this, you got that. I'm like, Well, you could have it too. Right. Just ask me how I did it and I right. can help you. Right. There's I don't know how many successful people I've talked to that I've went up to and asked for help and they said, go fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. Like most entrepreneurs love helping other entrepreneurs. Yeah, but here's the thing. I would rather have someone tell me straight out
0: to go fuck myself and they don't want to support me. Like I'd rather, because if I'm getting into a vessel and and I'm leaving the Port of Toronto and I can have five people in there that are going to help navigate to the destination that I'm aspiring to get to, I want to know before we leave that they don't want to be in that boat. Absolutely. So I admire the person that's like, "Ethno, you're not, I don't want to, that's awesome. I, I'm so happy that you told me that. That means I'm going to move to the next guy right. or the next girl. And I'm going to have five people in my boat. And so when I, when I tell parents, if your son or daughter picks five people, one of them may not be you. Like, like, I don't want to be my, the solution source for everything in my daughter's life. Because if I am, she's in trouble because there's a lot of things I do really, really well. And there's a lot of things that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. And I may never know what I'm doing in that department because I may not be interested in that department. So let's find someone who is in that department, who can literally be your custodian for that leg of the journey. And so when I talk about building confident kids, it's. Let's help your kid build this army. And even if they're nine or 10 or 11, it, 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 can, be a, it can be a very sort of all branch, sort of distant Someone you might even reach out to once a year, but they're just there for you. You know that they have your son or daughter's best interest at hand because there will be times when you know from being a dad, there's t- times when my girls don't want to listen to me. Right? <laughs> a it's a like, lot of times. It's like <laughs> the volume's off, which yeah. is fine. I, yeah. I did and I do the same thing now yeah. with my parents, with my mom. Um, doesn't mean I don't have the love and admiration I just need something different. And so build confident kids, support have the dialogue and find those five people, build that legendary army. I'm telling you it is literally the magnet to the next level to the next layer that you want your son or daughter to get
1: to. Obviously this is a great show. I'm I'm enthused. I want I I can, we could can do another 15 of these, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um so we do have to wrap up. So if there's one thing that you want to leave the listeners or the viewers today. Uh, you want them to remember this podcast for, and want to remember what would be a piece of advice or thing you would tell them to do for them, just to take that one last piece of tidbit home with them. Yeah, I mean, I think building confidence, you know, is
0: is super important. And you know, we talk a lot about about the mental health space, and and you know, as parents, we we struggle when we see our kids in pain, and and I'll I'll I'll, I'll share it this way. Um, And this kind of ties back to what I said before about having your greatness. When I coached Jeff Skinner, who's now in Buffalo, a $12 million a year guy, won a Calder, won the Rookie of the Year in his first year in Carolina. That year, um, when I coached him, people had told me he was high maintenance, which to me, I never really got what that meant. Like, Like, I want everybody to be high maintenance. I want everybody's emotion to be out here on a sleeve at some point in the journey. Because this game of hockey and game of life, can be a total shit show sometimes. And it can be the greatest experience of your lives. So people said, Jeff Skinner, you know, good luck. So our first game, I'm coaching the Nats. We're at Westwood Arena, rink two. Dressing room is just to the left of the hallway to get out to the rink. We're playing North York Rangers. The goalie, last name Palmieri, I didn't pick him for my team. He was disappointed and pissed off. And so it was like, it wasn't just, Rangers against Nats. It was Palmieri against Blackburn. And he was having the game of his life. First game of the year, we're down 2-0. We come back 2-1, 2-2. On the ensuing faceoff, I a minute and a half, two minutes to go in the third period, Jeff Skinner finds himself on a 2-on-1. He takes a shot, tries to go short side, misses the net, puck cams around, game ends 2-2. I'm totally stoked because it was a great victory for us right. coming from behind. We go in the room and Jeff's sitting in the corner and he's inconsolable emotionally, like the tears. And I walk in and and I've always been an advocate for embracing and allowing everybody to be themselves. As long as you're not hurting yourself, hurting other people or damaging property, bring it. And so I walk in the room and I look around and there are a bunch of players there that I had coached the year before. And they're looking at, this is the, this is the jumping off point. And I looked at Jeff and I looked around the room and I said, when every single one of you guys cares that much about one part of your game, but one part of this team, if we can all do that collectively, you'll be better players and we'll be a better team. And Jeff wanted to score. Jeff knew the criticism that he was too small. Jeff knew that if he could score goals, it was going to be undeniable. That he was good enough to play. Like he was committed to scoring the goals. And that's what he did. He was very good at it. missing that one goal with the stick with, with the game on his stick really affected him. And that's beautiful. Like it's beautiful that he saw it that way. And so a few years later, you know, he gets drafted to Carolina. And so all the players in that room, the message I left with them, the message I, I leave here with your viewers and listeners is find the courage. To, to bring your emotion out on your sleeve. And we all do it differently. For Jeff, it was tears. For someone else, it might be sitting in silence and pondering and working it a little harder. Like whatever it is for you, be courageous enough to bring that emotion to the surface and, and let, and let that percolate. Let it simmer. Let it, let it present itself for you and to the world around you. Because in there lies your gifts. It, it literally becomes your backbone. That is the flow or the current of your emotional and mental river that is guiding you. And it's a gift. It's beautiful. And so Jim Carrey, greatest joke teller of all time, some people might say. He did it through the laughter. Other people do it different ways. And so if you're a parent, you're a player, you're a coach, find a way to support, to to enthuse your kids, your players, to live that way, to be that way, be themselves. And again, like I told everybody in that Young Nats dressing room, it will make your players, your kids, better players, better people, and it'll make every single community that they're a part of a better community. I have
1: nothing to add to that. That was amazing. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dan, if um, again, if you want to hear more about Dan and follow him, I think it's great. Uh, what's the best place for them to find you?
0: All the socials, NTC Hockey, TikTok, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram. You can yeah. al- also follow my personal Dan W. Blackburn. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm pretty active on social Facebook, I guess. Facebook's still a thing, I guess. So yeah. So for us uh, old guys. Yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Um, So yeah, all those, all those platforms and then NTC hockey.com. If you have specific questions, cool. jump on. Yeah. DM us, email us. We're, we'll be there to to answer and, and help out in
1: when we can. Honestly, Dan, it's been a pleasure. This has been amazing. Um, So if you want to hear more about this or you love the content, obviously, you can just listen to anywhere you listen to your podcast. Subscribe DC Talks podcast with David Chinelli. And yeah, Dan, thanks again for coming.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Great to be here. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.